And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Uh, oh, man. Oh, oh, hey there. Hey, I didn't, uh, I didn't see you there. <laughs> How you doing? Sorry, I'm just waking up from my post-Thanksgiving food coma, um, and I hope everybody else is... Uh, Having uh, having some moderate success with the same, so it's uh, always a always a fun time. Thanksgiving and uh, uh, the holiday season in general is a good time for bodybuilders, unless you are like uh, two of my clients, uh, Tara, who is competing tomorrow and therefore did nothing fun for Thanksgiving, um, and Tino, who is going to be competing another week and a half or so. And I actually authorized a little uh, cheat meal for him just because of where he's at right now. Um, he needs that in order to keep going for this home stretch here. As you can tell, I'm a little congested, so this may end up being a, a shorter episode of The Drop Set than usual. Um, we've got a and a lined up, and that's all I'm going to uh, address today. So um, I thought about just mailing it in and saying, hey, you know what, screw it, we'll just skip a Friday episode, but Eh, I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. So um, I like, uh, you know, I, I now officially call this a twice weekly podcast and I feel like I've got to stick to that. Even if one of the episodes is kind of like partially mailed in like this one, I just, oh man, it, it's been a rough week for me. So I'm going to po- post my full, um, full weekly update to Facebook uh, shortly here. Um, but it's been, it's been a rough week. It has been a week of, um, actively just trying to eat as much as I possibly can <laughs> and I'm I'm not proud of it it's uh, it's been uh it's been kind of ugly I feel a little off um I did a a leg workout this morning that it was really like the clearest sign I've had all week that I need a couple of days off so I will be um I'll be taking Saturday and Sunday off from training and uh, need to hit a little bit of cardio. You know, I've been taking Benadryl at night, so it's been a struggle waking up in the morning <laughs> also. So I've missed fasted cardio the last couple of days, um, which is not a habit that I want to fall into. Uh, but, uh, you know, the thing is when you, when you schedule your life, like down to the minute, like I do, um, if you don't wake up on time, something's got to give. <laughs> so, um, for me, it's been cardio just because I also know like, uh, uh, I'm I'm feeling off for sure. Like stuff is not quite right, and it all comes down to uh, all comes down to food. So I've got to survive this weekend. Um, and if I could just stop like deliberately eating like a flaming jackass and just stop actively shoveling food into my face for my 17 waking hours out of the day, I will be just fine. <laughs> so I will have a very uh, embarrassing check-in with Coach tomorrow um, where I will out myself completely, um, see what she says, uh, and then we'll take it from there. So uh, training has been going fairly well, but I, I, I really felt things go off a cliff today for, for legs specifically. And yesterday was Thanksgiving. So I'm like, I got to put all these calories to use. I probably had about 6,000 calories yesterday, up a few pounds on the scale, which is to be expected was off on my water intake as well, because how are you going to drink water when you're eating so much food? You know, um, it, it's, uh, it's difficult. So, um, I, I do expect, uh, I'm not doing anything crazy today, like doing a 16-hour fast or anything like that, but I just know that just having a normal day, kind of like what I've had for the last week, which is still eating a lot, um, I'll see a couple pounds come off tomorrow just because I'm going to be better with fluid intake. Um, so that's that's my story, um, but uh, during legs today, I couldn't, 
I, I just had nothing in the tank when it came to any kind of a compound movement at all. Like I couldn't squat for shit. Um, my leg press was embarrassing. Um, like I could sit there and I could still get good mind muscle connection doing extensions and leg curls and things like that. But, um, I did some adduction work. I did a couple of uh, curl varieties, but, uh, I mean, it was it was a struggle, and so I'm like, I need a couple days off minimum. Uh, so uh, I've I've been pushing um, for consecutive workouts. I, I hit sessions Monday through Friday this week. Um, the I, the the plan was to take Wednesday off because um, Coach wants me lifting five days a week, not six. Um, and I'm like, well, I'll take Wednesday and Sunday as my days off. And so the problem is though. Just with the way I was eating, I'm like, no, I can't take a day off at this point. I got to just push, 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 push. So lesson learned, I'm going to take my two days off consecutively, catch up over the weekend. We've got a Friendsgiving um, situation on Saturday afternoon that we'll hit. We may go down and work on um, the wife's parents' house a little bit on Sunday and work on cleaning and packing some more stuff up. So um, not totally sure on that. I'm taking her out to dinner tonight um, for the first time. It'll be our first dinner out in in ages, so it's uh, date night for us tonight. So that'll be fun. Um, otherwise, though, it's uh, it's well, other than all that, everything else is pretty much business as usual. So um, I did get proofs from the photo shoot back. I'm pretty happy with how things look there. So I'll be um, kind of leaking those out through social media. Um, I do have a a post that's going up later today promoting a workout program, and it's. Uh, the first one that I have uh, created a graphic for that uses a photo from that shoot. So that was kind of exciting. I posted one on uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter earlier this morning as well. So um, these are all just the proofs. Um, the photographer is asking for the ones that um, I, I want to use heavily, and he'll do a little bit of additional editing on those. So uh, hopefully it can, it can make my face look better. <laughs> That's that's all I'm concerned about. I'm like, let's let's use a lot of the the close ups of the body shots, the ones that crop out the face. I think everybody's gonna have a better time with that. So, at any rate, um, a, a couple of things noteworthy here. I was listening to um, uh, a radio program. I've mentioned this before that I'm a big fan of uh, Michael Smirkanish, who's a uh, he's a largely a, a political talk guy. Um, he has a channel, he has a, a show on, um, the POTUS channel on Sirius XM. He also does a, uh, a Saturday morning show on CNN, very middle of the road and really just a thinker more than anything else. Um, he has very interesting guests on his program. And one of them was talking about, um, she was actually a psychologist and a researcher at university of Pennsylvania, um, doing research on, Facebook or more broadly social media in general and depression. So there's been a lot of um, correlation based research done on that. But this was the first study that really indicated that there could be some causality um, between um, excessive social media use and depression, which I thought I found very interesting. And, you know, in this industry, especially, um, I think that is amplified because you do tend to really compare yourself against everybody else that's out there. So just a, a quick reminder to everybody to check yourself on that stuff. Don't um, just make sure that your social media habits are not unhealthy, uh, which I know is a very broad term, but basically, you know, however much time you spend on social media, you could dial it back and probably be better off for it. Um, and I put myself in that category, even though a lot of the time that I spend on there these days, it's almost exclusively professional. I don't do a lot of personal stuff on social media. Um, 
I'm kind of out of that uh, whole comparison game at this point as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about just, you know, putting out quality content, engaging with people, responding to people, um, and not so much worrying about what everybody else is putting out there and, and how that how that relates or compares with, with me and my stuff. So other than, you know, I might <laughs> see, see what some people are doing and say, oh, that's a good idea. I like that. Or I like what they're doing here. I like their overall strategy here. And, uh, you know, certainly can uh, cobble together uh, a few additional ideas for me based on that. So um, we got a Q&A lined up. And let me just give you a quick uh, preview of the week ahead here, um, largely for my own benefit. I do have a, a blog post that's going up on Saturday. So we kind of ran through this before the, the prep by the numbers, prep and review. And I ran through a lot of the numbers. Well, I put, uh, put that formally together into a blog post that'll be going up tomorrow, actually. So, um, and then there's a, a recipe that will be going up on Tuesday. And I did actually post a video of that. This is a, it's one that I call the protein bar batter bomb, which I've been having post workout for the week. Um, really awesome working on some variations for that. So it's basically like, you know, whey protein, powdered peanut butter, PB2. And then um, I was using gluten-free oats. There were some other things in there. And then I found like, you know, there are some other things that we can put in there as kind of a carb binder to hold everything together um, to really jazz it up a little bit. So I tried it with Rice Krispies. I'm like, all right, cool. And then I got a little more creative. I'm like, let's try it with some Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm like, what if we use half of a uh, Lenny and Larry's Snickerdoodle? <laughs> I'm like, okay, now we're on to something here. So um, I got some photos of those that will be going up in the blog post. The video that I have up on YouTube um, currently just uh, demonstrates it with oats. But if, you want, if you're interested in seeing how it gets all put together, you can go check that out. It's online right now. And on Tuesday, I'll have the full blog post going up as well. So let's, uh, let's dig in and let's, uh, let's tackle some Q&A here and see what we got. This is Angela calling from the great state of Washington in the Pacific Northwest. I just had a question about registering for shows in the master category. So I am 49 and will be 50 at the end of April, and I'm going to be doing a show in May. And I'm wondering, is there some sort of breach of show etiquette to register for various master's classes if I qualify from an age standpoint for all of them? So, for example, I'll be in a new master's class at the show in May for the 50-plus is it rude of me to enter also for the master's class in 45 plus? Because there's no upper age limit for that. And likewise with maybe the master's category for 40 plus again, because there's no upper limit on the age uh, on the age category or cutoff. Um, it just would give me an opportunity to be measured up against other folks without being in the open category. Um, just wondering if that's a breach of some kind of show etiquette or something. Thanks very much. Love your podcast. Bye. Oh, thank you, Angela. Washington is a great state, by the way. So growing up in Oregon, Washington was always, you know, the, the upstairs neighbor. Um, and I remember whenever I, whenever I would make the trek up there for whatever reason, the two things that always struck me about Washington were, oh, yeah, in Oregon, we're so lucky we don't have sales tax. I mean, we do have a higher state income tax, but, you know, it's just that there, there's something about Oregon where, you go into a convenience store and you buy something for 99 cents and it doesn't end up being a dollar seven or whatever um, that I really enjoyed. And so whenever I went to Washington, that was my reminder, like, oh, yeah, they have sales tax here. Damn it. Ugh. And um, you had to pump your own gas, which always intimidated me because I'm like, I don't know how this thing works uh, because in Oregon, it's all um, full service. Like you pull up. And I think 
I think this is this has changed in some places in Oregon now. Um, I, I didn't encounter self service when I was there recently. Um, I wish I would have because I waited for a long ass time to get gas when I was on my way back to the airport with my rental car and just about missed my flight because of how slow the freaking gas station attendants were. It was driving me insane. I'm like. This is not a problem in Tennessee. I've never waited in line at a gas station in Tennessee, ever. Not once since I've been here. Um, but in Oregon, the one time I go to buy gas, it's like the line's four cars deep. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Um, anyway, <laughs> what was the question? Oh, yeah. I almost forgot one thing. Angela, I, I promise we're going to get to this. It was a good question. I like it. Almost forgot entirely about this. Um, first of all, thank you. Emily, client of mine for th for this idea, we are going to implement a raffle. So this episode is going live here on Friday the 23rd. So the, the raffle is from now through, what do we call it? I don't know, December 1st? What's the calendar say? Um, yeah, through the 30th, the, the 1st, whatever. So I'm going to give you a week on this. Um, and, and the raffle will be if you call in to the drop set hotline, 865-518-2974. Go to thedropset.com. The number's right there. You can click it from your phone, call directly from there. Um, leave a message for the Q&A segment. And I, I will go ahead and say, because I do expect that this that we might um, get, some, uh, get, get some slightly higher volume there. So if it's a question that I use, because um, if I end up getting like 10 or 12 calls and some of them are kind of lame, which... I haven't had a lame one yet, so I might just use them all. Um, but if it's like, yeah, that, that's kind of weak. Somebody's really pushing the boundaries here. Um, then I might not use it. But if I use it on an episode, um, you're entered into the raffle, and the winner will receive um, some item of Five Star Physique branded apparel. Your choice, uh, my expense. So. There you go. Um, so I now will uh, you can view what all the options are if you go to facebook.com slash five star physique, click on shop, you can see everything that I have online right there. Basically just teas and tanks for right now. We'll be throwing up hoodies and other things like coffee cups and stuff like that before long, but for right now it's just teas and tanks. But winner gets freebie on me. So I just want to throw that out there. So call in, submit your questions and uh, we'll play those. I'll enter in everybody into a raffle and I'll do a thing where I, uh, I draw a name from a hat or something like that and we'll announce a winner there. So anyway, Angela, great question. So um, basically, is it a breach of etiquette if you go into um, a master's class and compete in uh, lower age group master's classes as well. So 50 plus, what about 45 plus and 35 plus as well? No, absolutely not a breach of etiquette at all. That is um, very commonplace. You see that in shows all the time where, um, you know, you'll keep seeing the same faces appearing over and over. Like, here's your 35 plus master's class. Okay, now let's bring out the 45s and you get a few people to come back out again. Let's bring out the 50 plus. Okay, you got a couple people still hanging around. <laughs> and um, I would say it is more common to cross over and compete in multiple classes than it is to just compete in the highest age group that you qualify for. So no, not a breach of etiquette whatsoever. And especially if it's your first show, if you're going to be competing in your first show in masters, um, a lot of people say, you know what? 
there's a lot of expense involved in a show. And if the crossover fee is reasonable, get your money's worth out of it. Like they're, if they're charging a $40 crossover fee or something like that, get your money's worth. So you can do masters 50 plus 45 plus 35 plus you can do novice. You can do true novice. You can do open, um, and just, you know, see how it goes. <laughs> so, um, and, and clearly you will probably be, you know, if it's your first show, you'll be more competitive in some of those than in others. Like being competitive in um, true novice and masters 50 plus and open. If you can do that and be in the running um, for all three of those, you've done a great job. Um, but it, it's very common. I mean, it, it, it's uncommon for somebody who is in a master's 50 plus to also be, um, you know, competitive in an open class up against, you know, 20 and 25 year olds. And that's just, you know, that, that's common sense right there, but, um, no breach of etiquette there whatsoever. So, uh, no, and, and I would say you're, you're going through the expense of registering for the show. You're doing the diet for it. You're paying for a hotel, a spray tan, hair, makeup, suit, all that. So the crossover uh, fee at that point, I mean, yeah, it it can add up if it's like a forty dollar crossover fee, um, and you want to cross over into multiple classes. It can add up, but you know, it's it, you get a lot of bang for your buck at that point, especially if you have a chance of walking away with some hardware. Um, depending on how your prep goes, you know, you may get to the point where you're four weeks out, and certainly you don't have to register super super early in the process. I always encourage people to kind of wait. Um, until it's closer to the deadline, um, just so that they have options and they keep, and you know, certainly stuff happens as well. Um, like during my prep, um, if I was prepping for a show, <laughs> then, uh, and you know, I had all of, you know, I had everything blow up at two weeks out basically. So, um, if I was prepping for a show, I would have thought long and hard about whether or not I was going to continue to that. Um, since I was prepping for a photo shoot and it was already kind of paid for, it wasn't exactly the, you know, the stakes weren't quite as high. I'm like, well, I'm not backing out of this. So, um, if I, if I was doing a show though, um, I may say, well, you know what, let me just compete in masters. I'm going to skip the open here because I think I'm missing my mark and I'm not going to put my best foot forward for that. So, um, certainly there's no reason to rush the show registration. You can wait a while on that. Um, the promoter will give you a deadline um, and pass that. I mean, you can, for most shows, you can register the day of. If you want to compete, you'll just pay a little bit more. So there's a, there's a typical deadline for that. So, um, but no, not uh, not not a breach of protocol or etiquette or anything like that whatsoever. Very common, very common. So um, let's go to another one here. This might be a, a familiar voice. Let's see what we got here. I didn't have a question, but I do have a couple of either gym etiquette issues or rants or something to put in my burn pile. First one is that people need to watch their personal space in the gym. So, for example, I will come to the gym. I will pick a bench that is far away from everybody else and not near anyone. And inevitably, somebody will come up and use the bench closest to me without moving it um, and they're invading my personal space bubble with their chest flies or whatever they're doing, getting their wingspan over into my bench space. So if you're going to use a bench next to someone else, please move it far enough away that you're not getting in their personal zone. <laughs> my other gym etiquette issue is that please stack your plates properly. So typically the plates, you know, will go in ascending order like 5, 10, 25, 35, 45 pounds, and people like are putting the 45 pounds up where the 25 pounds belong, and they all get mixed up together, and it makes it really time-consuming to try and properly load the bars. So it can't be that hard. Just load the plates up or put the plates away 
in the order, in ascending order, in which they belong. That would be most appreciated. Thanks very much. Love the podcast. Bye. All right, so that that was Angela again. Angela, thanks. Double dipping, totally allowed here. No no issues with that whatsoever. So personal space in the gym, could not agree more. I have strategies for this. I have strategies for this in place. So um, I walk around with my... Um, my gym bag, which is my um, ISO pack from Isolator. I put up a review on that not long ago. Still loving that thing, by the way. Still works absolutely perfectly for me. Um, and I've got my gallon jug as well. So what I always do is there's a row of benches. And you know I'm not trying to be an asshole or anything like that. But I will passively discourage people from coming too close to me. So... Um, if, if it's crowded, you know, all bets are off, but if, if the population is a little bit more sparse, what I'm going to do is put my stuff kind of between two benches. So people look at it and they're like, well, is he using that bench or that bench? Well, I see him on that bench, but his stuff's over here. So is he using that one as well? You know, what? I'm just going to go over here. Cause I'm not sure. Um, cause he's got his headphones on. He looks like he's in the zone. I'm not going to bother him. Like, yeah, mission accomplished. That's exactly why I do it. So, um, be, uh, you know, I call that uh, ambiguous item placement. So if you put it like directly behind a bench, you're clearly staking out, this is the bench that I'm using, and I'm using nothing else, versus, you know, if you if it's like, well, it's kind of in between these two, you know, is it over here, is it over here, well, he's on the, I mean, you know, create a little confusion so you can create a little personal space. Now, the downside is some people will then actively engage you in conversation and say, hey, are you using this bench? And you're like, oh, no, let me move my stuff over here. Basically like, oh, you caught me, damn it, okay. And then some people, then that's like an opening for a conversation. And then it's like, oh, fuck me, damn it. Ah." So sometimes it backfires. That's pretty rare. Um, I would say it's about 50% of the time it works and people just kind of stay away. Again, assuming the population is a little bit more sparse. I feel like I'm revealing way too much about my personality through this answer. Um, and, and the lengths to, that uh, I will go to in order to avoid um, confrontation or even interaction with other people. Uh, I may be displaying some serial killer traits here. I'm not sure. Um don't don't test me is what I'm saying because I might snap and if I do it might not be pretty. So now the other thing that I would say there is Angela, uh, that's also how guys flirt with women in the gym. So yeah, you can take that as a good thing or a bad thing. Um, if you've got a whole row of benches and you're on one and a dude picks the one that's right next to you, that that's bro flirting. So and you know it's it's kind of sad, it's kind of pathetic, but there you go. It's also the reality. So um, same thing with cardio equipment. You've got 45 treadmills on a row. You're on one. Some dude comes up on the other one. Yeah. <laughs> Space, buddy, space. And again, um, if you've got a situation like that where you're there early, I'd be like, this is my treadmill, this is my water jugs treadmill, and this is my gym bags treadmill. They all get one, and they're all right around me, so back off. Give me some space. Um, Again, doesn't really work for cardio equipment so much because clearly you're only going to use one piece of cardio equipment. Although... I'm, I'm starting to think there may be some strategy involved here as well. Like, no, I'm... Um, cross training. So this one, I've got this treadmill set here. This is flat. This one's set at an incline at a different speed. So I'm going to hop back and forth between the two because, hey, you know, there's nobody here. So I'm going to use both of these. So just give me some space. Spitball it. There's some ideas here. I think we should, I think we should pursue this a little bit. Now stacking the plates properly. This is, oh my God. Oh dear Lord. I don't even know if I can have this conversation right now. Um, 
Now we need to. I mean, it, it has to be discussed, but I'm going to break out into a sweat. Um, just hide the children right now, kind of turn the volume down a little bit because there may be a whole lot of cursing happening here shortly. Um, part of the problem, so let, let me speak from experience at the gym that I go to. So this is Armor Gym in Knoxville, Lexington Drive off Level Road. Great place. Love it. Music is terrible. Um, way too loud all the time. Um, where, like, if I walk into a, another gym where they have things that are at a more reasonable volume level, I'm like, oh, this is nice. Oh, they're just blaring this just garbage hip-hop crap all the time. It's awful. That being said, it's a good gym. <laughs> uh, Equipment-wise, it's great. The crowd's good, et cetera. So no, no major issues there. It's just too fucking loud in there. Um, so this gym also, they have 35-pound plates. So um, they have a, a smattering of two and a halfs, which you can never find one when you need one. A um, bunch of fives, tens, although not enough. So tens also like, I need some tens. Where are they? And they're all in one half of the gym or the other. Um, 25s, 35s, and 45s. So to all the p people out there who are potentially thinking about opening up a facility at some point down the road, do not stock it with 35-pound plates. Get just extra 10s. People can use 25s and 10s. 35s are a redundancy that just complicates things. Because most gym equipment, plate-loaded gym equipment, especially if it has like on-equipment storage pegs to, to hold plates, um, they don't have enough to accommodate 35s on top of everything else. Um, it's maddening. And so the 35s always get in the way. And you're like, okay, I've got to peel three 35s off of this plate tree to get to the 45s that are stuck underneath it because the plate tree was not designed to accommodate 45s. Now, and when I say plate tree, I'm referring to those little triangle-shaped things that have the pegs on them, you know, what I'm talking about, where you store the plates. Um, now, the other thing, and, and this is one of my biggest complaints, aside from the music, my biggest complaint about Armor Gym is... They have the most poorly designed plate trees I've ever seen where it's like you and, and sometimes you get somewhere the the Olympic size pegs that are on there that you stick the plates on where they're labeled and they have numbers. So you're like, oh, this is where the 10s go. This is where the 25s go. Well, these don't. And nobody looks, looks at those anyway, which is just more infuriating. Like it says 25s. Why are you stacking 10s on here? Because the spacing between those things is such that if you put like a 25 here, now you can't stick a 45 below it. That kind of thing. Like, there, there isn't enough space for both of those to fit on there together. Well, these plate trees at Armor, they're designed in such a way that, they're, first of all, there aren't enough pegs. There's like four when there are six different sizes of plates that you could put on there. And they're spaced such that there's exactly one configuration where, okay, the 45s have to go here, the 25s have to go here, the 10s go here, the 35s go here. Otherwise, nothing fits. Everything bumps into each other, and you can't put anything on it. So, um, I feel like I'm doing a good job of, of keeping my cool here. I, I may not be the best judge of that though, but <laughs> I, I'm not busting out into, into a, a sweat or anything like that. I feel like I'm keeping the language in check. I feel like if I had a therapist, they'd be really proud of me right now. Um, but yeah, it, it really does make my blood boil. In a, in a big way. Oh, good Lord. So, yeah, um, I, I feel you. <laughs> I feel you, Angela, on that one for sure. So, um, yeah, and sometimes it just feels good to, to get that stuff out of your system. So I totally, totally get it. What else do we got here? 
Hi, Darren. This is Tasha from Temple, Texas. I know we've been chatting for a while now, but I had a general question that I thought that everyone may be wondering, which is how long is a typical training session supposed to be during your off season and then during your prep? So uh, the difference between the two, uh, or excuse me, not including cardio. Uh, and then obviously how much cardio would you recommend and how long should those be for off-season and prep? Thank you. Okay, Tasha, I'm totally going to embarrass you here. And I'm kind of sorry about this, but, you know, it's, it's the same thing. One thing that people always tell me, and I hear this a lot, is they like it when I'm honest and I'm real and I'm open about stuff. So I'm, I'm going to drive that point home here. So Tasha left that message, and then she sent me a comment via Facebook that said, oh, maybe don't play that. I felt like I sounded really stupid. And I'm like, no, you don't. You absolutely don't. And so she said, or or, or do whatever, you know, just, just edit it to make me sound smart. So uh, I totally did not edit that whatsoever. But Tasha, you are fine. And it's a great question. And uh, a lot of people share the same sentiment. So um, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And so having just gone through a prep and finished one, um, I, I can tell you this. So you're, what you're looking at, I mean, for um, training, um, tra training, and by that I'm talking about uh, weightlifting specifically, resistance training. We'll, we'll tackle cardio separately. Um, so your overall uh, training session duration, um, let's just look at that as, uh, we'll, we'll call that volume. So your overall training volume, how much are you doing? How long is it taking you? It's all part of the same thing. Um, what I find is the deeper you get into prep and everybody's a little bit different than this. Everybody's going to have a little bit, um, uh, different response as they go through prep. It depends on, you know, how much weight did you have to drop? Like I had to drop more weight than I would like to drop again when I do this next time. Um, <laughs> I would like to, to keep things a little bit cleaner, and clearly I'm doing a terrible job of that so far. Uh, so how, how much weight you have to drop determines how aggressive you have to be, um, which determines the, your, your prep length, and then also how much cardio you're going to do. So you know, you've only got so much gas in the tank. So if you've got to prep for longer and with more cardio, then your training volume should go down. And um, I think it makes sense typically um, and it, it's really just kind of a, a play it by ear kind of thing. Like um, as, as cardio goes up, I will often instruct people, you know, let, let's dial back on the volume a little bit. Like here's the written program. Let's start chopping a couple sets off here. Let's skip this exercise, that kind of stuff, just so that we can keep those sessions to a more manageable length because we want the intensity to stay up. And there gets to be a point often where uh, if you want that intensity to stay up, you can only do, sustain it for so long. Um, and you've, you've got to you know, start dropping that um, that overall training volume down a little bit. So I would say, you know, your, your typical benchmark for a training session is an hour. Now, if you're doing legs, it might make more sense or, you know, a, a body part that you're really trying to focus on um, to do a little bit more volume. Um, and this is assuming your frequency is relatively steady. Like if you're hitting legs two and three times a week, doing an hour and a half each of those sessions isn't necessarily productive. Um, so as frequency goes up, your per session volume can go down and you can hit legs for 40, 45 minutes. You can blast through 
you know, if shoulders aren't a weak point, um, then you can blast through a shoulder session in, you know, maybe 35, 45 minutes because um, it's a small muscle group. It doesn't need, you don't need to blast it for an hour and a half. Um, now, some, some people, I'm thinking of uh, my client Max is one guy who he's just got a gigantic motor. And he will go, and it's hard for him to train for less than an hour and a half. Um, and, you know, that that is something where, you know, I'm always having that conversation with him. Like, let's be efficient with it. He's like, I try, but there's just more in the tank. And, you know, he, he has consistent progress, and we see consistent results from him. So and you know, he's one of those guys where I've got to kick and scratch and claw and fight to get him to take a day off as well. <laughs> so, um, and some people can can train like that and operate like that and function really well um and he's doing really well we're getting ready for a national show in 2019 so um he's firing all on all cylinders now i know that doesn't work for me personally that doesn't work for most people personally he's an exception um so you wouldn't want to look at him and emulate what he's doing and say well that should work for me too so you've got to um factor in a lot of things like you know sleep quality and recovery plays a big factor into it as well. You know, just how your brain is wired has something to do with this also. So, um, and what your workouts look like, what your training split looks like, what frequency you're hitting things with. So I would say typically, you know, on average an hour, some muscle groups may take longer than that. Some may be shorter than that. Um, I always feel good when I get in and out and I feel like I've gotten a quality workout in in 45 minutes or so because that tells me I was efficient, I was in the zone, I'm not overdoing it, and I'll be set up and ready to go for the next day as well. So, Because um, that recovery, that post-workout recovery is really important also. Um, so how does that change through prep? Like I mentioned, I, I typically like to scale it down a little bit as we get closer and closer. Just make sure that we're putting in quality work um, and that... Uh, it's not taking a big dive. Like I noticed, um, when I got to the point where I was about four or five weeks out, I felt like, whew, I'm feeling it. Cause these workouts were long. And that's when my coach, um, she started, you know, I, I noticed that the workouts she was sending me were, were getting scaled down in volume a little bit. So instead of, you know, seeing six or seven exercises per, um, per workout, I'd see like maybe four or five with a couple of supersets thrown in so I could get through things a little bit quicker. So, um, I think that's helpful. And as far as cardio, that's a real crapshoot. Um, everybody has a slightly different approach on that. Um, but I, I never want to do prep where we're starting, coming out of the gate, doing a lot. Like we want to start off moderate and give yourself some headroom and some wiggle room and somewhere to go with it. So um, it's really hard to say, but I might say, you know, like starting off prep with 30 minutes, five days a week. Okay, cool. And then, you know, 30 minutes, six days a week, cool. And then maybe scale that up. Let's do 40 minutes this week. Okay, that's good. Let's scale it back down to 30. Let's start doing it every day, but just 30 minutes. Um, and then maybe uh, implement some additional cardio on a rest day, um, that kind of stuff. So I think it, it helps to cycle that up and down a little bit. Uh, but it, where those numbers go is anybody's guess. And then you may, may start doing two-a-days um, towards the end as well. So you do some fasted cardio, some post-workout cardio. Uh, it depends. It's very different. As far as off-season for cardio, that's a real crapshoot. Um, like, I'll, I'll use the example of Max again. Um, he's hitting 25 minutes of good hard cardio five days a week. You know, he's also eating a ton. Um, so, you know, he, he likes that because it's part of the routine. Um, and you don't have to dial back on your cardio tremendously and do, like, none during your off-season. 
I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of value in keeping that as part of the routine. Um, now, I wouldn't necessarily do a ton of it. You shouldn't be banging out like hour-long cardio sessions during your off-season. That's not necessarily productive or needed for anything. Um, and, and having, again, more time to recover, more time to rest, more time to grow. That's the whole point. So you don't want to overdo it on cardio. You want to scale that back a little bit. But still hitting a couple, few sessions a week would be smart. Just keep a moderate length, you know, 25, 30 minutes, um, maybe a, a smattering, uh, like 10, 15 minutes post-workout cardio here and there um, just for a little extra burn. And that's something that can really fluctuate based on how good you're doing as far as um, uh, adhering to the diet that's been set up as well. So hopefully that makes sense. Um We've got one more for the Q&A. Um, this is not a voicemail, however. So this came through. Oh, let's see. Here we go. This came through um, Instagram, through a message here. So this is uh, Steve. Steve is in Belgium. So thank you, Steve. Um uh, his uh, Instagram handle is Iron Brigade Fit. So if you want to follow him, there he is at Iron Brigade Fit. Um, so from Belgium, he says, uh, <laughs> "I'd call, but seeing as I'm in Belgium, I fear the rates aren't all that attractive." Yes, it's about cooking oils and how to accurately track that. Say you use a teaspoon of butter, you don't actually end up eating all of that. Some of it burns off, some stays in the pan, etc. Since it's fats, even small amounts like that have a relatively big impact calorie-wise. Wonder what your take is on this. Thanks and keep up the great work. So thank you, Steve. That is a great question. And um, I tell you what, I take the easy way out. I take the easy way out, which is when I'm in prep, which is when it really matters, I don't cook with oil because of that uncertainty. Um, so I don't say, well, I'm going to make the assumption that this much is going to cook off. This much is going to get left in the pan or anything like that. I'm like, no, I just don't cook with it. Um, so like for veggies, I steam them. Um, and I, I will use oils, but I will apply them to a finished meal, um, with a uh, food scale. So if I want a tablespoon, I'm going to add 15 grams of oil, like olive oil, just drizzled over a meal. And then, you know, just lick out that bowl, lick off that plate to make sure you get all of it. So, um, that's the only way I would really advocate using um, oils when you're on prep. Now, during the off season, I think you can make some assumptions. Like I, I you know, during a growth phase, precision is still important, but that degree of precision matters a lot less, and it isn't necessary. So, if you've got you know logged in your macros that okay, I'm going to use a tablespoon of oil here, but I'd like to cook with it. Great, okay. Just, you know, make it a very generous tablespoon and assume that some is going to get left behind. So instead of, you know, measuring out 15 grams, measure out, you know, 20, 22, 23, something like that. Know that some of that's going to get left behind. Um, and if if it's off a little bit, okay, well, maybe you've added an extra two or three grams of fat. And if that becomes the difference between... Um, uh, staying relatively lean in your off season and putting on a bunch of unwanted body fat, you've got other issues because it shouldn't, it's not going to make that big of an impact. So, um, but yeah, the, the, uh, the cop out answer there is that during prep, I don't cook with oil. That's all there is to it. So, um, that's one of the reasons why, you know, I've, I've talked before about these, um, potatoes that I make in the air fryer and they do require a little bit of oil. And I really miss those during prep, but I just said, you know what, there's enough inaccuracy in there. Um, because I add a certain amount of oil and then, um, you know, I, I add that to the raw, um, diced up potato. Uh, I mix it together in a bowl and then I throw that in the air fryer. So already there's a good portion of that that's left behind in the bowl. A lot of that cooks off in the air fryer also. So how much actually gets left on there? Probably not a whole lot, but 
when you're on prep, precision matters, and words like probably just aren't good enough. So um, I advocate skipping it, but that doesn't mean not using oil. It just means not cooking with it, but adding it to a finished meal, like a drizzle on top, um, totally nothing wrong with that at all. Just be thorough with how you clean your plate. So great question, though. Really, really good question there. So much appreciated. Um, That's about it. And as you can tell, I'm like drowning in my own snot, which is totally gross. And this has probably been a really, really challenging and difficult episode for everyone to listen to. So if you made it this far, I feel like you deserve some kind of freaking award. <laughs> so uh, my hat is off to you. I have nothing to give you, but do partake in the little raffle that we've got going on. So for a week, I'll keep this open through next Friday. Call in, leave your question for an upcoming Q&A, 865-518-2974. And uh, if your question gets used in an episode, I will enter you into the raffle and then you win some five-star physique swag. So, um, and it'll be of of your choosing as far as style goes. So that's what I got. So uh, it's, uh, it's been an interesting week. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's officially Black Friday. So stay safe with your shopping out there. Hope everybody has a great time. Um, And uh, yeah, we'll put together something for Monday and we will be... Uh, well, I was going to say we'll be in touch, but you know, I'll be in touch with you. You know, don't call me, I'll call you, that kind of thing. So, I hope everyone has a great weekend and uh, I'll talk to y'all on Monday.